Welcome back to the program. Back in the early 1960s, in Fellini's La Dolce Vita, the world took note of the decadence of life in the Italian capital of Rome. Inspired by two major political sex scandals of the era, the film, which would win the 1960 Palme d'Or in Cannes, depicted a Rome that was ultra-sophisticated, ultra-modern, ultra-decadent, and ultra-cool. Fifty-plus years later, Rome is a kind of antidote to America. There is less sexuality, less modernity, less sophistication, and less decadence. However, there is more chaos, corruption, and insecurity. How did a nation that was so desired for so long come to its current fate? John Hooper tries to give us some answers in The Italians. John Hooper is the Italy correspondent for The Economist and Southern Europe editor for The Guardian. He's broadcast on the BBC, NBC, and Reuters, and it is my pleasure to welcome John Hooper here to talk about The Italians. John, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on the show. As we look at the past 50, 60 years of the history of Italy, is it a country that has changed dramatically, or is it the world's perception of Italy that really has changed? I think that the question is that Italy has changed, but not changed fast enough, and that that is part of, a very great part, of its economic difficulties at the moment. The fact that it has found difficulty adapting to the ways of the 21st century uh, in all sorts of areas. It has reformed more slowly. Um, It has a much less flexible labor market, for example. Many fewer women uh, are in employment in Italy than in most other European countries, and so on. And when one looks at all those areas that haven't changed, particularly in relationship to Europe, what do we see in the DNA of the country and the things about Italy that are built into its fabric that really might have been a predictor of this lack of forward change? Well, the problems, yeah, have been building up over a long period. I mean, the strictly economic problem comes from the 1980s when under... Prime Minister Bettino Craxi, uh, the country equipped itself with a welfare state that it really couldn't afford, and it racked up a huge amount of debt to which corruption also contributed a not insignificant amount, uh, which has uh, really hung over successive Italian governments since. Uh, and that's the, the narrow economic problems. I think the wider social problem is um, what one of the uh, most successful uh, Italian uh, businessmen of recent years summed up as a reluctance to change uh, and to obey rules. Uh, And I think that both of those have held Italy back. Um, Reluctance to change in terms of, of not adopting the sort of structural economic reforms that were necessary, some of them pretty painful and difficult. Uh, and uh, the, the, the reluctance to obey rules, I think, is a much subtler issue. But uh, Italians, to take the most obvious example, uh, continue to have a high level of tax evasion. And that, too, has been very, very damaging because it's um, made for a much less fair society. Uh, The problem now in Italy is not so much that people have very high taxes, though they do pay very high taxes, it's what they get in return. They get very little in return for their taxes, 
and uh, they therefore feel that they're justified in, in dodging them. So you've got a kind of a, a vicious circle in, in, in operation. Um, in many other ways, uh, Italians have proved very conservative. Um, uh, they've adopted some technologies with enthusiasm, but not others. Uh, internet usage uh, in Italy, for example, is among the lowest in Europe. And um, there was a recent year in which the number of people connected to the Internet in Italy actually fell. How much of this has to do with a sense of insecurity among the Italian people? This is a country that has been invaded so many times, that has gone through so many upheavals over the years. Talk a little bit about that insecurity and how fundamentally it has led to a lot of this reason for resistance to change. Yeah, I think that, that Italians will look for refuges um, because of this underlying feeling of insecurity. Um, where it comes from is, is debatable. I mean, I put forward a, a theory in the book which people are free to discuss, to disagree with, and so on. Uh, an earlier book, also called The Italians, written by an Italian journalist, uh, Luigi Barzini, 50 years ago, very, very good book, uh, put forward the view that it was because of the, uh, the, the uncertain uh, seismology of, of Italy. In fact, it was prone to earthquakes, to landslides, um, uh, to volcanoes, uh, volcanic eruptions, and so on. And that this made Italians inherently very nervous. Um, I think that it's something much deeper, and it goes back into their history, uh, that when we outsiders look at Italian history, what we see is, is the glories, what I call the three R's, the Roman Empire, the Renaissance, and then the Risorgimento, the movement leading up to unification. Those were real, but alongside those glories are, or between them, if you like, are the centuries of foreign occupation in the south of the country, and in the north of the country, uh, fragmentation, these tiny little statelets, um, which were always vulnerable to uh, invasion from over the Alps by the Germans or the French. And uh, this, I think, makes for a kind of atavistic insecurity. It's interesting, I know in the book that Italians have traditionally been great savers, and that when they play soccer, they play it in a peculiarly, or have traditionally played it in a peculiarly uh, defensive way. Portion is what prudent. Uh, these are keynotes of uh, Italian society. Um, a man who spends his money easily is not admired. Uh, people don't read into that magnanimity. They read into that stupidity uh, because the, the real man holds on to his money and is cautious about how he spends it. And in a contemporary sense, though, the country has elected somebody like Berlusconi, whose conspicuous consumption and wealth is a critical part of who he is. Yeah, you see, these are the, the kind of contradictions that you come across all the time. Uh, he's a flamboyant character, um, and he was right from the start. He appealed to another side of uh, the Italian character, which was the love of showmanship, I think. Um, that and other things. Uh, his success is down to many factors, I believe, and I try and set them out in, 
in the book. It's not just that he was uh, a flamboyant character. He had, first of all, considerable media power, huge wealth that he could throw at his political career. Uh, but he's also a great communicator. And he speaks in a language that ordinary Italians can understand, and that's very unusual in a country where politicians have traditionally had a very complex, um, abstruse rhetoric. So all of those factors, I think, have had an impact on on his success. That and the fact that he, he, he was a self-made man. He is a self-made man. And he holds up for Italians the dream that they too can make it if they try hard enough. And yet, on the other hand, coming back to this idea of contradictions, they don't really want to try that hard. There just isn't that same kind of ethos of success that we see in America, for example. Well, I think that a lot of Italians would contest that. They would say that uh, they do work hard, they are aspirational, um, and I certainly know of many Italians who work very, very hard indeed. Um, the problem can be that they don't have the opportunities to succeed. Um, much of the um, employment in Italy, for example, is sorted out by means not, uh, not, not on a meritocratic basis, but by what are called raccomandazioni. Uh, in other words, uh, somebody or other says that you should get that job. You're put in that job because of who you are, whose son or daughter you are, rather than on the basis of your inherent merit. And that is enormously frustrating, and it's why young Italians today are leaving in droves to go to uh, London, to go to New York, to go to societies where they feel that they will be judged on what they can do and not who they are. How much of really understanding Italy requires a fundamental understanding of the difference between North and South in Italy? I think a lot. Um, I put the question rhetorically uh, in the book, how could a country that produced the Renaissance have produced the Mafia? Uh, well, one answer to that is that it was two different countries that produced that. The Renaissance came about uh, largely in the Florence of the late Middle Ages, which was an independent city-state. And the Mafia is a product of the south of Italy in the period immediately following unification. And there is this very sharp divide in history uh, between the south and the north that uh, for centuries up until unification, the South was occupied by foreigners uh, and was um, really not much in communication with the rest of Italy. In the North, you had a quite different pattern uh, where you had periods of great fragmentation. Um, in fact, throughout the history of the North, it was often very, very fractured. Um, but there were periods of, in which these little city-states had self-rule, and it's been argued that that tradition means that there's 
more of a tradition of social responsibility in the North than there is in the South. And are those differences as fundamental as they are? Have they changed over the years, or are they still pretty much as fundamental and immutable as they've always been? No, I think they are changing um, uh, gradually um, because of two factors. One is the migration of Southerners to the North, um, particularly during the years of the economic miracle that you were describing earlier on back in the late 50s, the early 60s, uh, and that brought about the second phenomenon, which was intermarriage. Uh, so you get many families now which have roots in both parts of the country. So they have a southern heritage and a northern heritage. And uh, that has been a great factor in unifying the country and in unifying the language, because you know, clearly in a family like that, you have to speak Italian rather than dialect. What role does Catholicism play today in shaping some of the attitudes of the country? I think that subliminally it's still a very important influence. Um, the influence of the Catholic Church uh, as measured by in church attendance, as reflected in the uh, importance of its Christian Democrat parties, that's all waned uh, over the years, undoubtedly. Um, but Nevertheless, Italians grow up in a Catholic-conditioned culture. For example, I think Roman Catholicism, going to Mass on a Sunday, is still a badge of respectability for many people in the middle classes. It's still seen as the thing to do, to send your children to the religious instruction classes rather than to the civic education classes, which are thought of as being largely for immigrants. Um, there's a subliminal um, association between Roman Catholicism and Christianity, too, that is very powerful. Uh, all of that is still at work, and there is still quite an important direct power that the Vatican can exercise in that although there's no longer a dominant Christian Democrat party as there was during uh, the years after the war, there are nevertheless a large number of Catholic lawmakers who, when push comes to shove, can come together and form a sufficient majority within the Italian Parliament to enforce Catholic ideas and legislation. So, for example, um, the rules on in vitro fertilization in Italy are much more restrictive than they are in most other uh, European countries. How does Italy see itself today, and how has it seen itself recently with respect to its integration with a larger Europe? Well, for a long time, I think that Italians saw Europe as a solution to the Italian problem. Uh, here was a country that was young, which was very diverse, uh, and which had limited traditions of governing itself. Um, certainly in the South. Um, Europe was kind of an answer to that. Uh, if Italy could sink its identity in that of a wider Europe and get people in Brussels to pass some sensible laws for it, then that was an answer of kind. 
since the introduction of the euro, uh, which has coincided with this period of prolonged economic stagnation, uh, Europe has become much less popular. Um, when Italians are asked the question of whether they are good Europeans, whether they have an affection for the ideal of Europe, they tend to come out quite high in comparative polls. They come out as being very, quote-unquote, European. On the other hand, when they're asked whether they think they've benefited from Europe, they come out as among the lowest um, after the British and the Hungarians. Uh, so they are, there is a strong streak of Euroscepticism which is developing in, 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 in Italy, and it's one of the secrets for the success, behind the success of parties like uh, Beppe Grillo's Five Star Movement, uh, and more recently, uh, a resurgent Northern League, which is standing now very much on a platform of rethinking the whole of Italy's relationship with Europe. And how much does that have to do with immigration into Italy today? Well, immigration fits into it in um, all kinds of complex ways because um, there's no doubt that uh, the Italians had to cope with immigration over a much shorter time span than, for example, in Britain. Um, things that we've had 50, 60 years to adapt to, Italians have been asked to adapt to in 10 or 20 years. When I came to Italy the first time properly in 1994, I walked into a largely ethnically homogenous white society. That's no longer true. Um, and uh, th there is, I think, to some extent, a crisis of identity, uh, particularly in a country where there is this Catholic conditioning. Um, there is a deep concern about the uh, effect of Islam and the fact that um, so many of the Muslims coming to Italy are practicing observant Muslims. It is... Um, you know, seen by many as a sinister threat. Um, immigration as such, though, is a more complex issue for many Italians because uh, on the one hand, there is this need to, there's been this demand for very rapid adaptation. On the other hand, uh, Italians are conscious of the fact that they themselves, just a few years ago, were immigrants. Um, that uh, in the 1950s and 60s, many went from the south, not to the north of Italy, but to the north of Europe. Uh, and that further back in the late 19th century, and again after the war, large numbers of Italians poured across the Atlantic. Uh, so that makes people more hesitant about discriminating against uh, the immigrant population. So it's a very complex picture. Uh, and one that uh, is not helped by the fact that politicians don't spell out to people sufficiently the economic benefits that immigration is, is bringing. Because in a country that now has a very, very low birth rate, immigrants are essential not only to bring up the birth rate, but also to uh, maintain the level of the active population that is needed to sustain the growing inactive population of elderly Italians. Uh, Italy, 
is associated in our minds with fast cars, with cutting-edge fashion, but actually it's one of the most rapidly aging societies in, in Europe. It's one of the greyest countries in the world. Of course, the other side of that balance, in terms of what politicians do, is playing upon the insecurity that we spoke of before and feeding into a kind of xenophobia that is really counterproductive to its economic needs. Yes, and that uh, has been seen recently in the explosion of support for the Northern League. Um, the Northern League previously was a regionalist stroke separatist movement uh, comparable perhaps to the nationalists in Catalonia. Um, under its new leader, um, uh, Matteo Salvini, uh, it's changed direction uh, radically. Uh, it was always drifting towards a more right-wing, uh, xenophobic stance, but he's taken that much further and made it actively uh, anti-Euro and, to some extent, anti-European Union. And uh, he uh, is having great success. Um, recently, his poll ratings, his, his party's poll ratings, have been up in the mid-teens, not very far behind those of the main conservative party, which is led by Silvio Berlusconi. So this is a formula that's selling, and it's very much the same formula being seen in other parts of Europe um, with right-wing populist parties uh, along the lines of the National Front in France. And indeed, one of the biggest handicaps, I think, that the Northern League has at the moment is being called the Northern League, because this has an appeal throughout Italy to a certain section of the population. What is your sense of the way this is going to play out over the next couple of years and the economic consequences that it might have? In many ways, it seems like a vicious cycle. Yeah, I think that we are entering into a tumultuous period in, in Europe, um, one in which the divisions between um, left and right are becoming much more, much sharper, uh, in which there is a rising tide of populism, in which it cannot be taken for granted that voters will uh, meekly accept the existence of the European Union, or indeed um, much less that of the single currency, the euro. Um, and I think that a long overdue debate is taking place over whether this can really be made to work, whether this path towards European unification is a viable one. Um, my fear is that if policies that are essentially of benefit to the North are applied relentlessly to the South of Europe, then you could get the same effect that you saw in Italy after its currency uh, union in the 19th century, because unification was also a currency union. Um, and what happened then was the policies were applied which were of benefit to the north of Italy, but they were damaging, actively damaging, to the south of Europe. The result of that was the mass migration that I was talking about earlier across the Atlantic, uh, because it provoked an agricultural crisis throughout southern Italy. What you're seeing now is the migration of hundreds of thousands of bright, young, mostly graduate 
Italians to places like London and New York, uh, which is eerily reminiscent of what happened in the 19th century. The same thing is happening in Spain, it's happening in Greece. Um, Southern Europe needs now to be cut some slack. Is it your sense that the current Italian